in just a moment, you'll be listening to a message that was given by Pastor Kyle Olsfeld of Grace Baptist Church in Pampa, Texas. We encourage you to give attention to the message and to follow along in your Bible. I want to begin tonight by talking about something that every parent has experienced at least once. If you are a parent, you have experienced this, I promise you, at least one time in your parental experience, and that is dealing with a sick child. It happens, right? Kids get sick. It's part of the process. It's just part of being a parent. Now, you and I know that sometimes when a child gets sick, it just has to run its course, whatever it is. But sometimes when a child gets sick, there is a need for medication to be applied. So as you think on that, I want us to think about what would be ideal by way of medication for a sick child. It would be ideal if medicine all tasted like grapes or bubblegum. But here is what we know is that that is not always the case. Sometimes the medication that a child has to take is nasty. You you can't flavor it. You can't make it taste better than what it is. This is just a medicine that tastes nasty, that tastes disgusting. And the best thing that that child can do is just hurry up and swallow it and get it over with. That's just the way it is. Sometimes the medicine is not something that can be done by way of a liquid or a tablet, something of that nature, sometimes the medicine requires a shot. And I don't know what your kids were like, but my kids were never extremely excited about the idea of a shot. Uh, There was something to do with the needles that discouraged them from wanting that dose of medication. They they, they didn't like the idea of being stuck with that needle, and and so there, there was a tendency to resist that. But nonetheless, sometimes shots have to be given. I'll certainly not go into detail about this, but we as parents know this, that sometimes the medication has to be applied somewhat invasively. And kids are never excited about that, but yet it's what has to be done. So think about this, if you would. A child is sick. Medication needs to be given. Sometimes it's nasty. Sometimes it's painful. And sometimes it's invasive. Now that being the case, think about this. No good parent lets the child decide their course of action during their sickness. No parent steps back and says, well, honey, you're sick, and after all, you are five years old. What, What would you like to do? No parent does that. No parent even says, well, kids, you know, or child, you're you're 10 years old or 12 years old or 15 years old, what would you like to do in this situation? That's not the way a good parent works, right? The good parent says, you're sick. This is the medication that you need. It may not be what you like. It may not be what you're excited about, but you've got to take it. That's the way it works. 
Now this evening, as we hold on to that thought, I want to remind us not of every message that we have preached out of this study, not even every message that's been preached out of chapter 3, but I want to remind us of some of the highlights of chapter 3 flowing into chapter 4, because here is what all of us know, is that when this letter was written originally, it was not divided into chapters and verses. And so this is a continual thought from Paul to Timothy. There is a continuation, and our text tonight is going to show us that continuation. But I want to remind us of what is said in the first part of chapter 3. Paul said to Timothy in verse number 1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. So Paul said to Timothy explicitly without any veil of secrecy or anything of that nature. He said, Timothy, you've got to know that in the last days, they are going to be perilous times. They are going to be difficult times. They will be wicked times. They will be ungodly times. They're going to be scary to an extent. And we know that in the next few verses, what Paul did was he explained to him what the perilous days were going to look like. He said the men will be lovers of their own selves and they're going to be covetous and boasters and proud and blasphemers and disobedient to parents and unthankful and unholy. And he just went through several things that were going to mark what the last days would look like. In addition to that, the Apostle Paul said this, that there were false teachers in their day. There were men who were promoting doctrines and theologies and teachings that were not biblical, that were not accurate. And, and he said, you've got to be mindful of this. You've got to be aware of this, that these teachers and these preachers are present. You, you've just got to be aware. And then Paul spoke of the persecution and the affliction that he dealt with. Paul talked about how life had not been easy for him as a preacher of the gospel. And he went on to say this to Timothy, Timothy, you need to be ready for this same kind of treatment in your life. Timothy, there, there's possibly a day where people will not appreciate you, and there's coming a day when, when people possibly will not tolerate you. And so, Timothy, you, you just need to be ready for this, that there's coming a day that life could be very difficult, and, and I'm going to challenge you, and I'm going to, to encourage you right now to be prepared so that you can stand fast, so that you can stand firm and, and not compromise and give in should that persecution begin to take place. So here's Paul writing to Timothy, and he's saying the last days will be marked by perilous times, and in these days there are going to be false prophets and false teachers, and, and Timothy, there's going to be a time where there could come a time that you could suffer persecution for the positions that you take. So here's Paul writing to Timothy, who is what? Well, he's a pastor of a church of people in Ephesus. This is where Timothy is at. This is where Timothy is serving. This is what Timothy is doing with his life. And so with all these things in mind, I want us to begin looking in verse number one tonight, because this is an important passage. In verse number 1 of chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, Paul said this, I charge thee therefore before God. I charge thee therefore. 
Now again, most of you know this, most of you are aware of this, that the word therefore lets us know that verse number one certainly ties in to everything that's been said up to this point. And so this continuation of thought is found in verse number one. And Paul said, Timothy, I charge thee, therefore. I charge thee, therefore. What does this word charge mean? Well, the word charge means to lay a command on someone. To lay a command on someone or to instruct someone with authority. So when Paul said to Timothy that I charge you, therefore, because of all these things I am charging you, he is saying, Timothy, this is a command. I am giving you this instruction with authority. Well, what kind of authority? With apostolic authority. Okay, the Apostle Paul understood his apostolic authority, and so he is saying, listen, Timothy, with the authority that I have, I am making this statement. I am commanding you, and I am instructing you with this authority. He said, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. And then notice what the charge is. Notice what the command is. He said, preach the word. Preach the word. What does it mean to preach something? It means to declare it. It means to herald it or to proclaim something. So it means to declare something, to herald something, or to proclaim something. Paul was saying, Timothy, I am commanding you, declare the word of God. Now, when Paul said to preach the word, did that mean that the messages had to be at a certain decibel level in order for it to be right? No. It didn't mean that Timothy had to stomp and snort and yell and look like a fool in a lot of ways, right? But what Paul was charging Timothy to do was this. Give the people the word of God. Declare unto the believers in Ephesus the word of God. Proclaim it, herald it. Give it to the people, the word of God. Now, now follow this, if you would, for just a moment, okay? I know these words aren't spoken. I know that I'm somewhat reading into this and, and taking a little bit of liberty with the text. But, but I think it's fair to say something like this, that Paul was looking at their culture and he was looking at their society, and, and he would have come to a conclusion, something to this nature or, or something to, to this effect, that they were living in a sick world. When, when you look at all the markers of the perilous times, when you look at the, the false teachers, when you look at the persecution that was taking place, it's almost as though you could assume that Paul would say something like this, man, our world is sick. Man, our world is messed up. It, it's as though our, our world is out of control. It's as though our world has gone crazy. And in light of the world that they were living in, of everything that Paul could have charged and commanded Timothy to do, here is what Paul said. Timothy, just keep 
preaching. Just keep preaching. Just keep declaring the Word of God. It's as though Paul is saying this, Timothy, the Word of God is the medicine that our culture needs. The Word of God is the medicine that our society needs. And someone might say something like this, well, why would Paul, or why would you assume that Paul would be of this persuasion, would be of this spirit? All right, go back to chapter 3. In chapter 3, verse number 16, here is what Paul said. He said, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. You remember this a few weeks ago? We, we looked at the profit of the Scripture. We looked at the benefit of Scripture. He said, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And then he said in verse number 17, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. What Paul said in the final verses of what we call chapter 3 is this, is that it is only the word of God that accomplishes in a person's life what needs to be accomplished. It is only the word of God that will produce in a person's life what needs to be produced. So Paul, looking at the messed up, sick world that they were living in, understood that what Timothy needed to give the people was this, the word of God, because it is only the word of God that can change people's lives. But as we'll see in future messages, here is what Paul knew, that people would be resistant to the medicine. People were going to be resistant to the medicine. See, in verse number three, he said, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And so what Paul is saying is, Timothy, this is the medicine. This is the cure. This is what is needed in our day. But he said, you better know this. People are going to resist what they need, much like a child would. But Timothy, you don't let the people determine what medicine they're given. You don't let the people determine what the course of action is going to be. Timothy, I am charging you, I am commanding you, I am giving you this instruction with authority. You just keep preaching the Word of God. It's a fairly simple thought process, is it not? It's a fairly simple ideology, and it's a very simple methodology that Paul is incorporating in his life or has incorporated in his life and, and is challenging Timothy, he is just saying, Timothy, no matter what, just keep preaching. Now tonight, from a spiritual perspective, our society is growing sicker and sicker and sicker. And as we have gotten sicker spiritually, it is affecting every other aspect of our culture. That's just the way it works, that when things are not right spiritually, 
it trickles down and it impacts every other aspect of our society. Now here's what's interesting in my opinion. That even our society, even our culture, is beginning to wake up and realize we've got problems. But here is the problem with our secular society. They want to choose a different medicine so as to address the issues facing us. Now, I'm not trying to just state the obvious, and I'm not trying to just waste time with this, but, but, but think about this just so that we can all say in one way or another amen to this, and I don't expect that to be verbal or, or, or robust, but, but think about this. Our secular society says we've got problems, so here's what we need. We need more education. If we could just educate people on the problems, if we could just educate people on the consequences of certain decisions, then, then that would make the problems go away. And you know this as well as I do. What we have become is more and more educated, sick people. But things aren't being fixed and things aren't being corrected. And so they're throwing this idea out that we need more education we need more funding. If we just had more funding for this particular program, if we had more funding for this particular school activity or, or whatever it may be, this would solve the problems. And, and what do we have? We have a nation that is literally bankrupt financially, and we're no better off spiritually or morally or, or any other area of life to be considered. So the secularist says, we've got problems, we've got issues, so, so we need more education, we need more funding for the programs, and when that doesn't work, we need to pass more laws. Somehow we'll pass enough laws that will take care of all of our problems. And what do we all know? We all know this, you cannot legislate right behavior. So we're living in this sick society that even the secularists recognize things are messed up, but they don't want the medicine that is needed. What is the medicine that is needed? Well, according to the Apostle Paul, it would be this, the continued declaration of the Word of God. What our nation needs more than anything is this, for the pastors, for the preachers, for the Sunday school teachers, for laymen and lay ladies who are in leadership positions, what our society needs more than anything is for the Word of God to be declared. Because the Word of God is the only thing that can accomplish in a person's life what needs to be accomplished. It is only the preaching of the Word of God that reproves, that rebukes, that gives the correction, that, that helps a person to be perfect and to be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. 
Our culture needs the declaration of the Word of God more than anything else. But our culture doesn't want it. Our culture doesn't like it. Our culture wants to get rid of it. And what's sad is this, and you know this as well as I do, the rejection of the preaching of the Word of God has permeated into our churches in our society. The rejection of the preaching of the Word of God, the declaration of the Word of God, it has permeated our churches. Now, you may sit here and know exactly what I'm talking about whenever I say that, but others of you may not, so let me just explain this very quickly. How many churches do we know they have basically given up on the idea of preaching and they have substituted for preaching this idea or this philosophy of entertainment? It's happening in almost every church. Think about the number of young people that we know who don't want to go to church where they emphasize preaching. Think about the number of young parents who don't want to send their kids or go to a church with their kids where they don't have the exciting programs, where they don't have the exciting youth activities, where they don't have all the hoopla and things of that nature. Think about it. Those who call themselves Christians have reached a point where they don't want the preaching of the Word of God. By and large, churches have turned into music performances that consume the bulk of a service where after all of that, a preacher will stand up there for about 20, 25 minutes and give what would be presented as a sermon, but not too much time is devoted to the idea of preaching because they know their people aren't interested in the preaching of the Word of God. Why have churches given up on the idea of a Sunday night service? Because people won't show up for the preaching of the Word of God. Why do most churches these days sit empty on a Wednesday night? Because people have given up on the idea of the preaching of the Word of God. Paul explains clearly, this is what the culture needs, and this is what the believers need. They need the non-stop preaching of the Word of God. And if they needed that 2,000 years ago, it is that much more needed today. I know I've said this before. I know I've dealt with this before. I understand the fleshly tendencies. I promise I do. We've been to church Sunday morning, and we've been to Sunday school, and we had a good service Sunday morning. Why do we need to go back Sunday night? Because we need the preaching of the Word of God. Well, that's not Bible, and the Scripture says, or the Scripture doesn't say that, that you have to have church on a Sunday night. I recognize that it doesn't say that, but the Scripture does say that we need to assemble more rather than less 
as we see the day approaching. So someone says you can't make a biblical argument for a Sunday night service or a Wednesday night service. I understand we can't make an argument for those specific nights, but I would say this, we can make an argument for far more preaching than what most believers expose themselves to, and we're seeing the consequences of it every day. Every day we are seeing the consequences of a nation that does not want to hear the Word of God. So why do I encourage a Sunday night attendance? So that we hear the preaching. Why do I encourage a Wednesday night? So that we hear the preaching of the Word of God. Not so that you hear me, but so that you hear the Word of God. We need the Word of God challenging us on a regular basis. It is needed. Tonight, it's simple. It really is. The, the point of this sermon is this. Don't get tired of the preaching of the Word of God. Don't, don't get tired of it. Don't allow yourself to get tired of it. On a Sunday evening when you're thinking to yourself, oh man, I've got a full day tomorrow. I don't, man, I don't really need to be there on, on, on the Sunday night. No, you do need it. When you come home on a Wednesday and it's been busy already and, and, and you're tired and you're exhausted and, and your thoughts are, oh, let's just stay home. No, you need it. Don't allow yourself to reach a point where you no longer value the preaching of the Word of God. When we stop valuing the preaching of the Word of God, we start going backwards in our spiritual lives, whether we want to admit it or not. Preach the word, Paul said. It's the medicine that's needed, even when people don't like it. If you've appreciated this message from Kyle Olsfeld of Grace Baptist Church, let us know by contacting us on our website at gbcpampa.com or on our Facebook page, Grace Baptist Church, Pampa, Texas.